0: Welcome to Punning on Empty, the weekly pop culture podcast in which two averagely informed people discuss film, television and anything else they get distracted by whilst inspired by a pun.
1: Along the way, we'll try and help you decide what's worth paying attention to and what isn't. Remember to vote for future episodes at punningonempty.com and follow us on
0: Instagram. Hello Johanna.
1: Hello Jamie.
0: How's it going? What, what have you uh, what have you been watching this week, Johanna?
1: <laughs> okay, I'm going to give you a few options to choose from for us to talk about. I've okay. been watching series three of Fargo. Um, I've read two short story collections, one by Zadie Smith and one by Curtis Sittenfield. All recent films I've watched are um, Jojo Rabbit, which just come onto Sky, and um, The Handmaiden, which is on Netflix which is an adaptation of Fingersmith, but in um, Korea.
0: Well, I would love to talk to you about Jojo Rabbit because I'm currently engaged in an argument with a friend of mine Okay. Uh, who said, that's a three-star film. I said, you're bonkers, it's brilliant. I love that film. I can't really talk about what I've been doing because I've been watching The American Office and then I've been doing prep for the next episode that we're going to do, so we can't talk about that here. No. Um, and then other than that, I've been playing uh, Zelda on the Switch.
1: Well, Zelda's a good game.
0: It's, it's very moving. Yeah. I
1: like a Switch, but I have to... Um, I've got a big joystick because of my RSI. Oh! Yeah, I, um, can't, I can't use the little pads, but I like playing on a big thing.
0: Um, uh, yeah, what did you think of Jojo Rabbit? Ooh. I loved it, full disclosure. I mean, loving it is hard, it's a funny way
1: I, of... I sort of agree. I mean, I don't agree it's a three-star film, but I more feel like it's a four-star film than a five-star film.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. I, I, I
1: like... I feel that it doesn't fulfil its potential.
0: Mm, I don't know. I'm, you know me. I'm a strong, silent man, very quick to weep. Uh, very very slow to weep. <laughs> oh, that was Freudian. I cry at everything, like every film... But I mean, you know, I was a mess at the end of that film and i had been like, ha, oh, it's very funny. Always. It's look, it's um, it's a funny impression of uh, silly. Imp- like that was the thing. Like, a lot of people were like, oh, it's not funny enough to deal with the subject matter that it deals with. And I was a bit like rubbish. It's clearly not, you know, it's not meant to be piss yourself funny. It's a sort of quirky thing. And then when the emotional bit comes, you're like, oh, God. Yeah, it's very that did get me.
1: I do think well I actually do think it's very funny I think it's I think it's sort of laugh out loud funny in bits I find I just think I just think it falls a bit flat for me at the end I I, like I think it starts off really well and 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 I just think it doesn't carry it through I won't spoiler yeah (laughs) but I feel that um wasn't the end sort of like a bit predictable Okay, I it's well,
0: about the war. Here was what I thought, and here's the argument I've been making to my friend, which is I think that there's obviously no shortage of film and literature and art about that period in history. And I think that what that film did brilliantly was in kind of taking a sort of quirky, you know, Juno-esque, like, as in taking a slightly indie American quirky tone to that. For me, it weirdly closed the gap between the people like those events and those people in that I think you always have to be reminded that that wasn't like it wasn't special in the sense that they were different sorts of people they were just like us there was just like there were just hundreds of thousands millions of people involved in like this stuff but they they were just like us they had exactly the same sensibility about so many things and i feel like that film brought that home massively in a really clever way by kind of short-circuiting stuff by having this incredibly modern Quirky, like as in that tone of that film, we're so used to sort of getting, and I thought it was really clever yeah, but to use that. that is a,
1: well, that's sort of the criticism that I've read is people are like, it's basically a Wes Anderson film, like with Nazis. Whereas I sort of feel like, for what you want, shouldn't it more just be like EastEnders or Hollyoaks? Shouldn't it just be more like Hollyoaks in the Second World War? <laughs> Like for us to relate to it because it, I think it's
0: how do I invest in that for a start? Hollyoaks in the second world
1: because of the way it's filmed in an indie way, it's that sort of like aspirational, (laughs) like kooky, like pix manic pixie, like girl in the attic. Do you know, like it's still not, um, I don't think it's sort of relevant to like, I still don't think you could understand it as literally happening to you today and isn't that what what people need to understand about you know the second world war any form of like fascism like how how it how it suddenly creeps up on you in everyday life and no one does anything about it and all of a sudden they're taking away your neighbors like it i think it needs to be done in a more realistic way
0: See, I, I, I disagree. I think that what that film did that I've not had the same sort of um, reaction to a film set in that, that era was that I felt like it really tricked me into feeling like this was a film operating in a certain space where I sort of felt like I knew what the rules were, that no bad things could happen, that it was kind of a bit twee and a bit quirky. It was definitely really, really funny at points. So that when you do have like the emotional punch um, towards the end of the film, it did just make me think, like it took a, river, like a rhythm and a grammar of filmmaking, which I associate with, you know, not like quite a safe kind of filmmaking. And then it did something I thought really quite emotionally powerful with it.
1: No, if you didn't know what was going to happen, then you're stupid. I mean, it's set in the war.
0: No, I'm not. I'm not saying I was surprised by the, the plot. I tell you, though, that Titanic, don't watch that. That's really sad ending, <laughs> it turns out. Um,
1: well, that's what, you know, obviously, I'm never going to watch The Crown, but that's the new thing about The Crown, isn't it? The, the culture, the Minister for Culture is like, oh, it has needs to have a warning that it's made up. That it's fiction.
0: I mean, like, honestly, the, the idiocy, the, like the sheer idiocy of the sort of, government's intersection with culture, like interaction with culture at the moment, it's just like, it already has that warning because it's a drama.
1: I mean, you say that, but there's people literally going around saying don't have the coronavirus, like vaccine, and like 5G masks are giving us like coronavirus. So it's not, you know, I don't think it's that far a leap to be like, people are like, oh, this is historical
0: fact. I think that people aren't like, I think, yeah, you're probably absolutely right that what... I am right, of
1: course I'm right.
0: No, but I mean, as in, I don't think anyone's kind of going, like quoting it as like a historical record, I think. And also like this idea that like, what would, what would kind of clean history be? Doesn't, there is no clean history in that sense. Like people are taking issue with the portrayal of certain moments and certain things and saying, they're all massive. They're, all of the people saying that have got are massively invested in that narrative for a reason. Like and you, like, you can't find. <laughs> there's very little consensus when you dig down into his, history. A lot of the time, um, I think you're just. I think you're just really happy because you want. You really want to give the crown a kicking.
1: Yeah, well, no, Of course, I do. Uh,
0: now it's time for Nolan is an island. Uh, an exploration of the oeuvre of Christopher Nolan, and uh, in which I'm not—I slightly regret how how mean I was about the brothers Nolan at various points. I think I'm probably quite jealous of them both. <laughs> <laughs> I defend
1: but, them. I defend yeah. them. Yeah,
0: no, absolutely. Please. But I, <laughs> I really hope you will really enjoy my naked jealousy. <laughs> Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Punning on Empty. No land is an island. I was thinking about Christopher Nolan's influences in both directions, both on him and on others, and what makes him the filmmaker he is. He's not an island. He's networked into a, a many things. That's what I took it to mean. What did you t- take it to mean?
1: Yeah, I think I took it... To mean discussion of um, Christopher Nolan's themes in his films around masculinity, around yeah connections with other people. I think he he tries to go for these sort of big emotional themes which which I love, but I do think it comes from like a certain. Uh, sort of English male perspective. Um, so, yeah, I thought it was a good title and a really good uh, jumping off point for this pod.
0: Oh, you'd say that of your own title, that it's a really good title.
1: Well, as I'm talking about it now, I'm like, yeah, yeah. it's a good title. It's a good
0: title, yeah. Because,
1: <laughs> <laughs> like, did it, well, didn't a famous writer say No Man is an Island?
0: <laughs> yeah, John Donne, yeah. Oh,
1: yeah. Exactly. So I feel like, doesn't it play on you know, themes of, like, Englishness, being an English man. I don't know much about John Donne.
0: Well, I, that, that is my thesis, that Christopher Nolan is the John Donne of film <laughs> Definitely. But then it's, you know, no man is an island apart from the Isle of Man. Eh? Uh, yeah, so um, I, I, I don't do this often. I'd just like to list to you the research that I've done this week.
1: Oh, I don't want you encroaching on my area of expertise, which is research.
0: The oral, the oral history
1: I'm always there I'm looking for the oral history
0: <laughs> say, did you google no oral history
1: yeah there aren't many but he's uh, he's not very forthcoming is he he's quite um, you know he doesn't use email he's not online very much he does very few interviews
0: what whereas you've cracked the emails of previous people we've been discussing is that how you know more about them
1: uh, no I just feel
0: oh, having no emails Stop! stop us you know. Well,
1: I just feel if you don't have in if you don't do emails, you're not going to do an oral history, are you?
0: I'm, ver- I'm very I'm bored. I'm very bored of a certain generation of man saying they don't use emails. Jonathan Franson, Christopher Nolan. I'm like, doesn't make you cool. Doesn't mean you're like in a, a log cabin. It's just annoying because people have to like contact someone else to contact you. Really? Yeah.
1: No. It's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: so here's some research that I did. I think you'll like this. Okay, now uh, I
1: will. Go on.
0: Hands up if you've read the um, original short story that Memento is based on by Jonathan Nolan.
1: Oh, what? This in Esquire?
0: Yeah, oh, okay, you did know about
1: no, that. No, well, I knew about it, but I, didn't, I haven't read it.
0: No, I read it. It's not as good as the film.
1: Oh, is it not?
0: I watched a few videos. If you know people going, it's that really sp- specific genre of YouTube video where like, I will now take you through the films of Christopher Nolan. <laughs> he is one of the great visionary directors of his time. He combined, like, it's just like, you know, there's like super fans doing like sort of, and I don't know what they've made it for. Maybe it's like for an online media company or something, but it's always, it's always a very specific. Okay, I can that it. this is
1: literally what you count as research, like watching random YouTube
0: videos. I'm not gonna watch all three of the Batman films again, <laughs> am I in a week? That's the whole week done. I, so I wanted to watch, also, I was, I'm was i really interested in what people, because I feel like Christopher Nolan inhabits a really interesting cultural space in that people want to go and see the new Christopher Nolan film, kind of whatever it is, because his name stands in for something. And I was like, when we were thinking about that, we were going to talk about it, I was like, do I know what that is? What do I think of as a, a Christopher Nolan film? And I guess there is a certain like ambition of size and scope and register, um, okay, we should probably start talking about The Prestige, which I hadn't seen before.
1: No, I'm, I'm so excited to talk about this.
0: I think I might hate it.
1: I, I don't think you can hate it. I think it is just, um, you know, it's a spectacle. And it's about, it's about movie making. It's about, like, showmanship. It's about how Christopher Nolan sees film and the creative process, but the fact that pretty much for the first hour and a half they keep turning up to each other's shows in disguise and they don't recognise each other and they keep picking someone out of the audience
0: and, it's and it turns
1: out to be <laughs> them, it's so funny! like, and it, It's not that it happens once, it happens multiple times multiple and each times. time, you know, he shoots him or he breaks a woman's finger or you know... Yeah. All these- Happen. It's really, really funny. Well, but I it... do but I do really love it as well. I also think it's an amazing opening. I love Michael Caine with his quote about, you know, there's three parts to a three magic part. trick. Yeah, there's
0: three parts. parts. Yeah.
1: Three the pledge.
0: Yeah. Three parts to <laughs> every <three magic. laughs>
1: Where the magician shows part something one. ordinary.
0: Have you got the script? Well oh, I've
1: just got that quote. The second act is called The Turn. Where the magician takes your and makes it do something extraordinary. But now you're looking for the secret because making something disappear isn't enough. You have to bring it back. And that's why every magic trick has a third act, the hardest part, the part we call the prestige.
0: The prestige.
1: And that basically, I think, sums up the Crispin Olin film. I mean, you know, this. it, it, it I think it underlies all of his filmmaking.
0: Well, it sums up the Christopher Nolan film, the no, prestige. But
1: it's like how like how he wants to sort of entertain audiences. Um, like, you know, that is that is literally what underlies like Inception, Interstellar.
0: So like I think what what I took away from the film was that central idea of if you were if you were told you could be cloned, your consciousness could be cloned, all of it, and everything you knew was somewhere else in another body, and then you would be killed, are you dead? Basically, like what is a person? What is a consciousness? And he's willing to swap that for the chance of like revenge. And whereas the, the twins thing is about like, what is a life? If you're half happy, like if there's two of you living one, like what constitutes happiness? What is a life? Also, what is what is consciousness? What is a person? Like. It, i don't know if you know this off the top of your head was this another screenplay that his brother wrote
1: yes so basically i have got a lot to talk about this because i've i went into a bit of a rabbit hole around the guy who wrote the book um yeah so it was like a novel by this guy called christopher priest and yeah jonathan nolan did write the screenplay but i just do want to take you through this because i think it's really funny so So basically, um, Christopher Priest, it was quite a well received novel, I think, and he had three people who wanted to make it into a film. One was Channel 4, one was Sam Mendes, and one was Christopher Nolan, and this was just before Memento came out. So he was like taking a bit of a risk, like selling it to Christopher Nolan. Um, And and he did. And ever since then, he's been slating him. It's really hilarious. (laughs) It's really, really funny. Is yeah, it's really funny, so then when it came out they wanted to obviously re-release the book with um, photos from the film and like Nolan just didn't allow allow that and Christopher Priest was just really upset but it's because Nolan was like such a control freak he just didn't want anyone to read the book um, and when I was doing my like prestige or history search <laughs> Uh, which yeah. I didn't find, but I did find an interview um, with with um, Hugh Jackman and um, Christian Bale and Christopher Nolan that Christopher Nolan did tell them both not to read the book. And Hugh Jackman did not read the book, but Christian Bale did. And the book actually is um, it's set in Victorian times and in the present day with some of like the impact on the descendants. And that's oh. all been cut out from the film. That's quite interesting. But anyway, so, um, um, but yeah, so this is what Christopher Priest said, like in an interview. So he's asked, What do you think of Jonathan Nolan's, uh, Christopher Nolan's later films? And he's like, Crap. Inception is one of the worst films ever made. Terrible. <laughs> he's got this sort of gimmicking. Even The Dark Knight, the whole of Gotham is covered by mobile phones. What an asshole. Batman films are so bad, so bad can you imagine I mean they just like in your professional opinion Jamie for like an author Mm. who has sold a book to like a director to then be talking about the director like that they must literally I mean he basically said he met him once and it was really awkward like I mean I guess what you just have like no contact with the director but I mean it's it's weird to be have that much bad blood between them
0: Well, it's kind of, it's definitely like, um, it's it's very unusual to not have the author be allowed to produce. I mean, it's really boring and contractual. But you like to, you just do a tie-in edition always. Like, it's really unusual. He just didn't.
1: He just didn't want to give away the end. He just genuinely like Christopher Nolan was just like nobody should read the book because I don't want them to know the ending because it will just give away
0: the ending. like. The, the the scale, like, the idea is just a really stupid understanding of the scale of films and the scale of books. Like, that book had already been out. Whoever was going to read it had read it. The only way you would, like, it, it's silly. It's just such a silly way around. They're really kind of, like, actually quite mean in that, yeah. like, one of the things that having a film made of the well, yeah, book I does
1: Well, yeah, I mean, that's what... I mean, that's what the, the author, author basically it, yeah. says, everyone apart from me is on a percentage... Like, this is basically the only way that I can make any money off, like, a successful
0: film. Is he not on a percentage? You know, to be honest, Christopher Priest just needs to uh, to get someone to do a better deal for him. <laughs> yeah. he, should have been, like, he should have been on a, a percentage, even if it wasn't comparable to any of the other... Anyway, well, boring. But, anyway, um, well, no,
1: this is the sort of indu- industry insight, Jamie, that we need. I,
0: just, to, just to finish off, uh, the most important thing of... Um, uh, prestige. I thought it was very interesting that every single character, apart from Hugh Jackman, is doing a bad impression of Michael Caine as their accent. Uh, Kristen Vale, <laughs> Charlotte doing? Johansson, and um,
1: no, Rebecca Scott Hall. is good in it. Rebecca. Well, I mean, Rebecca Hall is English, isn't
0: she? Yeah, but they're all doing what a bad impression mean, of Michael like, Caine. Wasn't she
1: in your year?
0: Uh, th- yeah, she, but she's posh English. I mean, she's Peter Hall's daughter, isn't she? She's not like oh, hello. Yeah. How? I ultimately think Christopher Nolan is a filmmaker that is so popular because he makes idiots feel a bit cleverer when they watch his films. That's my, that's my, that's my overall... Do you think
1: that at heart they are sort of like very emotional films in a sort of stunted way <laughs> to the extent that he can do it? He's trying to deal with like big themes Um, so, you know, there always has to be like a dead wife. Like there always has to be like dead women because that is a signifier to him of something broader that he's trying to say. I sort of like big storytelling and I sort of like ambitious like themes. So I do, you know, I like, you haven't seen Interstellar, but so Interstellar is like, it, it also is a sort of about loss, I guess, humanity and the relationship between a father and a daughter the father's got a dead wife obviously (laughs) because otherwise he's got no other like motivation (laughs) It's it's just like how can i give like a male protagonist sort of like a personality oh He's got a dead wife, or they've always got a dead wife. You know, they've got. There's got. They've always got to have a dead wife, basically. You watch the Prestige. I was like, should I watch Dunkirk? No, I will watch yes. Batman Begins. Right. So I watch Batman Begins, and I was like, oh, you know, I and I haven't seen it for ages. Um, I because I I've seen Interstellar, and Inception both during lockdown, just because I wanted to rewatch them. Okay. But so I thought, well, I will watch Batman Begins, and it's a good few years since I've seen it. I completely forgot Katie Holmes was in it. I forgot. I forgot that um I forgot that Killian Murphy was in it. Is it Killian? Killian. I,
0: I forgot the whole like most of the first hour and a half of the film of him like training. Yeah.
1: he's just Razal uh, yeah. yeah. And I'm just yeah. like he's just like yeah in Asia training I I'm always very moved by in Batman begins when the dad's like, Why do we fall, Bruce? So we can learn to pick ourselves up. You know, he always hears it when he sort of gets knocked out or yeah. is in a fight or whatever. Yeah. But then, does it actually make sense? Why do we fall so we can learn to pick? I mean, that's not true. That's not why we fall. Like, I mean, it's just, like.
0: Uh, no. I,
1: I, like, I always feel very moved by super, You know, what's the famous Spider Man one?
0: Uh, with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. yeah, all of
1: these sorts of things, and yeah. then the most recent Spider-Man one, the fact that the fact that you know the fact that anyone can wear the mask, like all of these, I love. But and so, <laughs> so I was watching Batman Begins the other night, and I was like, oh yeah, I feel, oh why do we fall? But now I'm actually thinking about it. That's not why we fall. So it doesn't make sense. So I'm annoyed by that. I just wanted to raise that. I just wanted to raise it.
0: The missing thing is why why would uh why would the benevolent god allow us to fall <laughs> so that we could learn to pick ourselves up. Like that's what that's what's missing from that sentence is like and actually there's like there's a lot of that in Christopher Nolan. There's a lot of um you know there's a lot of man's killed god where do we get meaning from stuff going on isn't there? Like, you know,
1: uh, what is that? Is that Gotham? Is that like, why has Gotham been like left
0: forsaken? It's a bit Aaron Sorkin like in the, there are just these characters, you know, like there's that, that scene sort of at the dinner party. Well, like basically just there's whole chunks of that film where characters are basically debating due process and like, what's the difference between justice and revenge and what is like rehabilitative justice and what is... You, like that, they're, they're not really characters at all, they're sort of people that he's put concept into characters' I know, mouths. But I of... do
1: like being told things, yeah. You know, well,
0: like you I... know,
1: when I'm at a museum, I like I really like reading what they've written for me about what each thing yeah.
0: is. Well, no, what you like <laughs> is at a museum is you like whoever you're at the museum with to pretend to have a conversation with you, but to use the talking points from the leaflet. (laughs) Yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We all like like that. That's lovely. Um.
1: I think I have a problem with the fact that Michael Caine is in literally every single one of Christopher Nolan's films. I find it annoying. I don't like Michael Caine and I wish he wasn't in them.
0: Is he in Inception? Yes. Who is Michael Caine? In he's like the old,
1: like he's like the old man. He's like the old sort of professor man, isn't he? Like Mole's dad. He's got like the kids. He he's got Leonardo DiCaprio's kids. He's literally like in that last scene when Leonardo DiCaprio walks in and he's like, "Here are your children." He's in it a lot, but I'm just like, why? Why does he like Michael Caine so much?
0: What I did think was there's always really interesting opportunities in a, in a Christopher Nolan film for a very big performance from a very kind of like flamboyant actor like there's space within his films for because so much because so much else like basically he's not got a massive sense of humour as a filmmaker has no.
1: he? But I think that's, not, that's you know, all right I think that's okay um, I mean my other theory about Christopher Nolan is he went to boarding school And I just think, yeah, he's a bit repressed. Like, I think he is, he's the creation of that sort of public school environment. He wears a suit every day. And like, I was reading an interview where they were like, you know, most directors dress really casually, you know, might wear a baseball cap, like sweats, you're always in a suit. And he literally says, I went to a boarding school where we had to wear a uniform and I got used to using all the, pockets in my jacket it's just what i'm comfortable in i don't like to think about what to wear so i just wear the same thing every day can you just think of like a little boy at boarding school having to wear like a blazer with pockets and then that's what he wears for the rest of his life because <laughs> that's what he's used to that's just really sad isn't it
0: his reasoning is i got used to using all
1: the pockets. <laughs> yeah i just think it's i just sort of think oh that's really sad isn't it like he went to boarding school from a young age and he's just sort of institutionalised in that way. I think it just sort of represents a lot of things.
0: <laughs> yeah, and actually, like... Yeah, that's... Again, like, there's lots... All of his films are about... Not all of his films, but the ones that, like... There's a lot of stuff about his films about, like, being... Like, hallucination, tricks of perspective, pullback and reveals, which are all about the idea of... Um, yeah, of like you're trapped in your own consciousness. Like, you know, that like there's a lot of the idea that could you be happy? But, you know, the bit the thing in Inception, like if you were just still trapped in a dream but you didn't know it, is is that that's all right, isn't it? How's that about ba- how's that a bad result? Like if you're just if you're trapped in the bottom layer of a dream but with your dead wife who's alive, but you're with them and you you know it's a dream but you don't know it. What well, does it matter that it's a dream? Like, and I think like a lot of his films, like the idea of like, is it horrific to fight? You know, to drown yourself, but know that somewhere the the stuff that is you exists, but it, it's not you. Your consciousness dies, but everything about you's been recreated.
1: I think you're meant um, to think that's horrific. I think you're meant to come out of you're yeah. meant to come out of Prestige and think Hugh Jackman is a baddie and Christian Bale is a goodie. Well,
0: you're certainly meant to think like, what a thing. To, Oh, what yeah. a sacrifice? As in me. Hugh
1: Jackman's oh. gone to a really dark place, whereas Christian Bell was mm. just very committed to the prestige. That's how I take it. it. Is like you know to pull you to 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 pull off like the true showmanship. Where do you go to? You yeah, either go. Because... You either go really dark.
0: That's because you've yeah, that's because you bought into the film's internal logic, which is the lives of men matter and the lives of women don't. I'm <laughs> a boy <no. laughs> Yeah. Like the only reason that Hugh Jackman is a baddie is cause he allowed something bad to happen to himself, a man. The fact that the the that Christian Bale allows the woman to commit suicide well, through neither of yeah. them having a word with I each other. Just, saying, I
1: just blot that bit, bit out. I think, just, I think that's just yeah. very weird because at some point you would just say to your twin brother, "I can you just pretend to like my wife? <laughs> Even if you fancy Scarlett Johansson. Yeah.
0: The reason the woman dies, first of all, is because they couldn't be bothered to talk about between them. The twins couldn't be bothered about safeguarding the life of a woman that one of them doesn't really give a shit about clearly like but anyway i feel
1: like when you say i've bought this internal logic of the film i think that's why i like christopher nolan because i each film i do really buy the internal logic too like i genuinely i was like i've never seen memento and then i started watching it and i was like oh no i have seen it but i basically (laughs) had mementoed myself (laughs) <laughs> I basically watch Memento, tell myself I haven't seen it, and then I watch it later. When I watch Inception, you know, I it, even if it logically doesn't make sense, I just love, you know, I just, I, I love an idea. I love a well-executed idea.
0: Is that what that tattoo means on your collarbone <laughs> that's upside down, says Johanna has seen Memento? <laughs> I've just only just got that tattoo. I don't know it all
1: makes sense. <laughs> I mean, I haven't seen Memento for, like, now I haven't seen it for a long time, so I would like to watch it again. I mean, I absolutely loved it. Obviously, I love Guy Pearce. And that's why yeah. I feel like yeah. I, I'm always going to love Christopher Nolan because anyone who casts Guy Pearce in something, you know, they're all right in my book. Mike yeah, from yeah. Neighbours, you know, his best role. Because, um. you know... Like, yeah. let's think about what.
0: Oh, I don't know. He's pretty good in LA Confidential.
1: He is good in LA Confidential, but I'm particularly thinking of him extremely aged in Prometheus. Yeah, oh, where okay. you're just like, what? Why? Why have you been aged to hundreds of years old? Oh, this is terrible makeup. Like, um, just CGI his face. Bring back beautiful yeah. Mike, a Benjamin Button him. Come on
0: look, you know, that's not a real technology, just like Tesla didn't really make...
1: Tesla. No, well, so in this interview with Christopher Priest, the author of The Prestige, he was like, I was the one who brought Tesla to the attention of the mainstream, and, and the reason that the car was called Tesla five years after the, like, release of The Prestige, the film, is because of The Prestige. Do you think that's true?
0: I think that is bonkers i think (laughs) think well
1: you know how i feel about elon musk so i would like to think that he's really thick and he just saw the prestige and was like oh david bowie's a scientist i'll name my car after him i mean I'll, i'll 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 have to look into it
0: well i just i think that's bonkers i think amongst well i think amongst the general public they might not have massively heard of like um But I think, amongst anyone who's interested in the history of science, he's pretty famous. You know there's that thing, right, that like, the entire, so the, the, to you, to what, you know, to you or I, nuclear war, the entire planet being wiped out by nuclear weapons, feels the same to us as us being hit by a car and dying. It has the same impact, right? Like like you like as and but like it of course it doesn't like we if you got the choice if you were like either this could happen you know you could press a button you'd be hit by a car but the entire human race wouldn't be worked out wouldn't be wiped out by nuclear war most people would probably ultimately pick that themselves being hit by a car I think Christopher Nolan films are about male protagonists lives being more important than anyone else's Um and i think it's cuz him and his brother were quite damaged by by being at boarding school by being at boarding school and i think they think they they are more real than other people and i think they think they have an internal world in a way that other people don't have an internal world and i think that's why they're obsessed yeah. with narratives of like I don't
1: know, it's funny cuz usually i would love an opportunity to sort of hate on a posh white man <laughs> obviously But, uh, for some reason, I do feel I still, like, defends, like, the films. I don't know why.
0: They're really pleasurable. Like, they are, okay. this is the thing, that they are, like, they are almost alone. Like, as in, you know, he makes, he's made films that, like, make a billion dollars at the global box office, and yet are thought to be quite difficult yeah, and part. I think
1: that, and I but, think yeah. that is an important thing because you think about Inception, which he wrote, and is mad, and it made eight hundred, like over eight hundred million dollars. Yeah, like yeah, that yeah. is that is actually really amazing in a time where it's just Marvel films. You know, it's just yeah. sequels or whatever. I think, but yeah, I you know, I just I don't know why I feel like I have to defend him. He obviously doesn't need me to defend. him. <laughs>
0: And, no, I and I don't know I, why
1: I, I feel like oh I I would I I slate Tom Hardy.
0: And um, I I just get. Well, I, I don't like I I think he's an amazing filmmaker. I mean, all of the stuff about how he makes films is really you know like.
1: Oh no! I mean, it is annoying how he thinks it's a personality to be like I only film on film. I don't use digital. I'm like fine. No, I'm not. I don't. I'm do just like shit about that. fine. But it's but all think, he ever talks about He's just like oh, I love fi- I love film. <laughs> I, yeah,
0: I, I, I love I, film, I
1: think... and like viewers yeah. can tell if it's on film or digital. Yeah, fine, all right, do it. Just stop talking about it.
0: Like like his whole thing about like he like really basically just believes he should film things happening like you know to do a little bit of like CGI to polish things up, but basically to like have things happening in a room and have actors like like and if you want to have a close up of an actor, like bring a camera in quite close and stuff. Like I like, I, I do think that does lend his films. Like I do think there's something really. When it works, there's something really impressive about that sort of massive scale, like very ambitious, but yet it feels quite real. Like I think that's what people are kind of getting sucked into. And I think, but I, th- I get I have problems with the kind of fandom around him, in that I think a lot of people that were really into The Matrix are now into Chris. I mean, I Nolan. like The Matrix. Yeah, I know, but like, I don't. But all of that ridiculous, like all of that ridiculous, like oh my god, it's the most complex work of modern philosophy, <laughs> ever been. Like no you know, no. all of that kind of like. But I like...
1: like I I I like fandom. I like reading theories. I I do like getting sucked into that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, I like. No. Nolan Nolan is an island. So I i think ultimately uh i think he does a really amazing well i think he does an amazing job of bridging sort of like the difficult end of blockbuster mainstream culture and you know and, and and huge huge sort of um audiences like he clearly connects huge audiences to more interesting stuff than um lots you know lots of other comparable filmmakers but i can't help but feel like i think he should get more stick about his female characters like if tarantino gets, shtick, I like gets he, stick i think he i
1: think he does see
0: does i've like I, I feel like it's not out it's not there it's not out there in the same way and yet i think he you know he hurts women or they're dead already or they're just there to show them the male characters, yeah. Oh I don't
1: think he's got any good female characters.
0: Um, I, I mean, mean, I guess I like Ariadne all...
1: in Inception, but she just exists to ask questions <laughs> and explain the
0: plot. Um, yeah, I guess so. I think that I think you're right. I think these are often films about male experience, I think they're often about like. Making your life mean something. I mean, a lot of his films are about like, when it comes down to it, when you've died, will you have made your life mean something? Um, and what, like what? And kind of, does that even really matter? Like, I do. I do like this kind of strand of, when it all comes down to it, once you die, does it even really matter? Yeah, how you, and I think like, you
1: know, I don't know. Like, I yeah. think that's why, at heart, I like it because. You know, it is about what is it? What is it to be a person? What is it to be good? What it, like yeah? What what gives your life meaning? So even though, it it is from a very masculine perspective, and usually I don't like films like that. Do you remember when we watched Whiplash and I? And I was like, oh, I can't even. It's just men. But and I don't think that this and I don't think that these films are like that. I've had, I did watch a few interviews of him, but I like I thought he was quite boring.
0: He's very straight, isn't he? He's very yeah. straight. He's very, rare. he's very, he's very about his craft. He's also got that English person in American thing, like you know, like He is he originally from England, right?
1: He's actually half American and half English. So he spent okay. some of his childhood was spent in Chicago, and the rest was at this boarding school. His mum was an airline hostess and his dad was an advertising
0: executive. But I, he's got that thing that some, you know, someone who's aware of English culture gets when they're an American, especially in Hollywood, which is, he's very like fake self-depreciating. He's very like fake oh, what little old me, I just do these blockbusters and you know, what happens happens. Mm. Um, uh, but
1: well, I very much well, enjoyed Well, to sum up, summarise...
0: Uh, Nolan is an island. Uh, he it's, it's an excellent island. Uh, I'd it's live an on, island. I'd live
1: on his island.
0: You live on his island? I'd, I'd live on his island. Yeah, I'd live on his island but it would be an island full of idiots telling me it was actually a better island than it is, even though it's quite a good island. And I don't need to be told that it's the best island ever.
1: It'd be as good an island as you could be on, I think a good time it'd be a really enjoyable island you'd have a great life
0: i mean now we're gonna to have to get into like the metaphor of the island being the size <laughs> of budget for the, foot- <laughs> yeah, for the size of island <laughs> For the size of island with the amount of dollar spend on that island it is probably the best island you can live. but there are lots of smaller islands uh with less money involved in their creation that i would probably ultimately choose to spend
1: i on. I would choose to be on his island.
0: What well, of any island ever where's your favourite <laughs> filmmaker.
1: Oh, um, well, I don't know, but in terms of, you never know what's going to happen.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of
1: twists and turns and I find it very exciting and I enjoy them, but I feel like that's the sort of island I'd want to be on.
0: Okay. Well, I get, yeah, I get that. It's a cross between,
1: that or, or, or yeah. Sophia Coppola's Island, where oh, my, just my, it's all very yeah. beautiful. <laughs>
0: oh, I'd much rather be on Sophia Coppola's Island. <laughs> Bill Murray wandering by in the background—it'd be great. No, um, well,
1: we're not. No, we're not talking about the cast of the films.
0: Oh, I thought you wanted to live on Nolan <laughs> Island because Killian Murphy might be there. <laughs> Do you know what I did think as well? Yeah. Arrival, have you seen that? Yeah. I feel like that's the film that Christopher Nolan wants to make. That, like, I feel like that's the sort of perfect Christopher Nolan you know, film, well, Yeah,
1: Arrival's very good. Made. Arrival's very good. I feel like...
0: Do you know why that's good? Because it's got a female protagonist.
1: I mean, he's a boarding school man. Yeah. <laughs> he could, you know, he could have turned out like Boris Johnson. So, I mean, let's just be grateful that he's he tries in his own way. Basically, I think that's why I like him, because I'm like, he's trying.
0: (laughs) No, I mean, I think it's, I think lots of it's great. I just, yeah, it's just no arrival. There we go. Uh, I think that's fine. I think it's always nice to hear the amateur ramblings of An ill-qualified critic, desperately (laughs) wishing they could do the job that someone else does. I think that's box office. I think that's box office.
1: Uh, Well, I I feel like um, you know you said how you feel, and that's fine. You know you don't need to apologise for that.
0: I look. All I think is that I would just, if I had been Christopher Nolan's brother, I'd have been better at it. I'm just saying. (laughs) Any. Any housekeeping any updates
1: last week if you listen to the end um, I I was talking about how on our website we've got a form where you can vote for future episodes these are the votes we've had so far this keeps happening so at the moment the top two episodes we've had voted are cruise control yes and ice ice jj those are the ones those are the top answers we've also had a few people say that they like what goes around come aaron comes aaron ruddy marvelous leaner on me and pit of despair we've had but i'd like to say that our listeners have come up with some genius episode suggestions and i will we put them up to the vote or are we just going to do them
0: we should put them to the vote as well. Oh, okay,
1: so I'll just add them to the website. Um, we've got "Why are we waiting?" I guess for the wire, and I did come up with the wire, didn't I? I came up with the wire one.
0: I like. I I really I really appreciate these these innocent people that can come up with puns with not really thinking about the amount of prep you'd have to do to do it. But about yeah. the
1: wire, I I came up with "heard it through the wire." which was the impact of The Wire on, like, popular culture. But I feel like that doesn't make too much work. I mean, you know, Re-Up, Idris Elba. I just feel like there's quite a lot of things that have had an impact. Without... Well, you've
0: used, you've used all the stuff up now. Well, that? yeah,
1: there, that's no, the episode. Yeah,
0: yeah um,
1: done. This one, I, I'd like to know who suggested this, because it's, it's quite niche. Jamie, you might have an idea, I don't know. Cushing up daisies which is CG post-mortem performances from the crow to princess Leia a holiday special
0: um, well, alright that's pretty Yeah, cuz C- Cushing in the Star Wars film where he was the first he was the first character in the Star Wars film that they just did like a digital performance from after he died yeah I mean I think that could be good like however I mean the thing is, though, I'm not sure how much we would have. Um, I'm not sure how many how many different narratives we would have I about that.
1: I quite like this one: round hole, square peg.
0: Oh, I like that a lot. Well, oh, that's just what?
1: because I hate Simon Pegg. So I'd love I was to, about see that to say episode.
0: I really like just the idea of um, Simon Pegg kind of like dis like being in the wrong place is a very basically that's how I feel about most Hollywood films that Simon Pegg is in. So.
1: Then I also I love this one Rockwell of Ages.
0: I I mean I would love to do one about Sam Rockwell. Yeah, a deep,
1: deep dive into Sam Rockwell, brilliant. Um, there's quite there's quite a few suggestions of people like there's been a couple of suggestions where people obviously just want to, us to get into trouble. This is yeah. one of them Savile Row. It's never gonna happen.
0: Um, yeah I. Not going near that.
1: No, nope. Dire Straits, love it.
0: Yeah, I, I, I would. You know what? My top two at the moment are Cruise Control or Dire Straits. Yeah, I think we Dire have a...
1: Straits, I think brilliant. And we've had uh, one come in yesterday, Vaughan on the fourth of July. I would like. I would. Li- I would like to do Vince Vaughan.
0: Oh, um the 4th of July bit though do we have to somehow make it like about the representation of like uh Pat, you know because he's quite he's quite a sort of republican guy isn't he in real life
1: okay well thanks everyone for listening um as i said last week if you've listened to this point we consider you the true fans aka the pundits
0: yeah yeah <laughs>
1: um and i've got a special surprise for you this week which is if you go to the website and sign up to our mailing list on friday you will get a password to our secret podcast feed where you will have access to special Um, unedited segments of previous episodes Mm -hmm. so if you sign up this week on Friday I'll be sending out a link to uh, some outtakes from last week uh, around the Mandalorian our discussion of Werner Herzog that turned into a discussion around the difference between Jack Reacher and What's the other one? I've even forgotten, Jamie. I don't, I
0: don't remember. I mean, I just, I just...
1: What's the other one called Jack? Jack Reacher and Jack Ryan. Uh, Ryan. Oh, yeah,
0: Jack... OK. Yes.
1: So, we had a whole discussion about Werner Herzog being in The Mandalorian, about him being the baddie in Jack Reacher, my confusion about the difference between Jack Reacher and Jack Ryan. If you're interested in listening to that, sign up. And out of this week's episode, you will also be able to hear... Um, some summaries of The Prestige and Interstellar, which did not make it into this week's Nolan episode, but will be in our secret podcast channel. So uh, get onto the website and sign up to the mailing list.
0: A lot of people are calling this our lemonade moment. So, you know, just the moment when we, we go. What does that mean? Well, like we just surprise you with a kind of multimedia project that just really. Open... <laughs> it's just a drop. Yeah. It's, it's just... a drop. It's just our multimedia lemonade moment.